Today on Queen and Kirsten Get to Work, we're talking about grief. To Krina and Kirsten get to work. I'm Krina Hoyer. And I'm Kirsten Barron. And today we are so happy you've joined us to talk about grief and sadness and how to support your coworkers who are having big emotions. Why? Why? Why do we want to talk about that? Why? Of course, because this is how we move ourselves to ease, meaning, and joy at work. That's right. This is one of the things that we can do to increase our ease, meaning, and joy, which is to show up for coworkers who are deeply sad or grieving. Yeah. And that's what we want. We want that for all of you Mm -hmm. sisters. Um, And we are recording this from the traditional lands of the Lummi nation. And part of my kind of recognition of this land acknowledgement, you know, I've been working on this as I've talked about in previous shows is to, instead of just saying, this is the land the traditional lands of the Lummi Nation. Now I'm trying to figure out, like, how do I get more information culturally about what that means, Mm -hmm. which has been really interesting. Mm -hmm. So I've been attending events so that I can see the Lummi Nation and children dancing and tribal members singing and listening to stories and understanding that this this orca whale, Tokatay, Tokatay? Tokatay? Sure. I, I wish I so, knew how to pronounce it yeah, accurately. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my little journey. Just just footnote, footnote for Kirsten's journey. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> it's so weird doing this podcast right now. It's morning. We, it's we so are early all, for we, us. It's so early because Kirsten has, you want to say what you're going to go do after this? I have this volunteer gig after this. Yeah. And Karina's going to go for a bike ride. This is our lives, right? I'm, this I'm, is our lives. I'm going to go do I'm going. <laughs> I'm going to sit in a library and talk to people about their legal problems and Karina's going to get on a bike with her sister. This is the story of my life. I know, but I love that. I think that's super cool. I don't mean and to I think out it's you to our listeners. it's super cool that you're going on a bike ride with your sister. <laughs> well, I'm going to power out the 20 miles because I absolutely have to because Tawny and I go on a giant you know, week long bikepacking trip every August. And I've, I've just been a lazy ass all winter you long. Get so yourself I got to giddy up, but you're doing something called street law, right? Yes. Yes. Which is super cool. Kirsten volunteers are so much of her time. I don't even understand how she does it. And, um, with causes or organizations that align with her values and it's cool. It's really that's, cool. It's, I really it's respect gonna you be, for that. It's good. Thank you. But it's going to be really fun. So that's the bottom line. It's going to be, you're going to have fun. I'm going to have fun. It's just a different kind of fun. That's great. Um, speaking of fun, it's now, uh, I don't know I'm going to, I have no, I have nothing to say there. That segue was terrible. I don't know have. where you're going at all. Usually <laughs> I have some idea and I'm like, where is she going? This is going to be so interesting. I don't know. I was trying really hard to segue from fun to grief and I can't. Oh, so yeah. t- take us, give us a story. What's it? What's in the middle? You were just telling me about a podcast you listen to. Do you want to tell our listeners about this? So about I do it? want to just, you know, we did this podcast episode several months ago on self-care and the takeaway was, yeah, bubble baths, massages, you know, uh, whatever, mommy time, all great stuff. That's great, great stuff. But I, we, I just listened to another podcast, Code Switch, that my daughter Hayden sent me with Dr. Laksham. And it's the same thing that Audre, Audre Lorde was talking about 
I don't know, two decades ago, Mm -hmm. which is the revolution. And I'm just so struck by self-care really is the revolution individually and as a group. Yeah. Like we can create space for ourselves to have boundaries about what we need and want in the system. Mm -hmm. So we're not overtaken by the needs of other people. And like, you know, I really, you know, I smile when I say the revolution. I love, I mean, I love aspects of the revolution, right? Yeah. yeah. And yet I know it's difficult, but I think about, oh my gosh, I can have my own revolution in my own house by saying, you know, I think I'm going to go for a walk when I get home from work as opposed to making dinner. Yeah. Or as you would say, (laughs) I'm not even making dinner ever tonight. It's make your own night, right? I mean, I just wanted to just bring listeners back to that episode and just to remind us all of our ability to have our own revolution in our own homes. Yes. And I what we want and need. And that is self-care. Mm-hmm. At the very core, it is taking the space that you need, which you know me, I love <laughs> taking up space. I can't help myself. And when I think of sometimes I leave I was I recently left a meeting where I, in hindsight, I mean, I was, I was just like, I rocked it 150%. (laughs) And why? Because I took the space I needed in it. I just, I absolutely love it. And to think about that as self-care. Because to think about taking what I needed, I I called the meeting, there was things I needed to get out of it so I could be successful. That's my, that was in my case, that was self-care for me. Mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, and it's everything from that to, like you said, taking up space at your house. And, and in your relationships, what is it that you need? Yeah. But the revolution can happen, you know, like right in front of me, literally. I'm excited. Yeah, it can. can and does. Right in front of you and right in you. I want to remind mm-hmm. people, too, that taking up your space in your own brain. I tell people, I tell my kids sometimes, I need my own brain. I need my I need my brain to myself right now. Like, just <laughs> leave me, like, Stop. Stop. Taking my brain up with your problems. Right. And that is a boundary, too. That's a revolution Mm -hmm. in our minds. Yeah, Yeah. it is. I love. (laughs) Here we go. So now let's go from the revolution to grief, because that's an elegant transition. I know. God, we should have thought about a transition at some point. But it isn't. Thank you for doing this show for me. There was a New York Times article that or for me with me. There was a New York Times article a couple of months ago that really spurred this show Mm -hmm. for me because I'm somebody who really struggles with how to support people. I've really been on this journey of like when someone's going through something big in their lives, like uh, like the death of a family member or a diagnosis or or whatever, things when they have big emotions, I I tend to want to just help them solve their problems or leave them the hell alone. Yeah. And 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 then I had my own situation. It was, I think it was COVID actually when my family came down with COVID over the holidays a couple of years ago and people displayed for me the kind of care that, and attention and kindness that I realized was really meaningful. And it was kind of an eye opener for me how me leaving somebody alone probably isn't the best thing or saying things like, Hey, just let me know if you need anything, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when this article came out, it was just interesting that there there has actually been research recently um, that talks about what people really would like, 
what really makes a difference or matters how to do folks. We, how do we help relieve the suffering of others? Yeah, how do mm-hmm. we relieve the, the suffering of others? And I think you're somebody who has who does this very, very well. You know, I'm not sure if I do it well, but I sure try. <laughs> yeah. You know, I sure try. I think, um, yeah, I really do try because it is, you know, there's so much that happens cancer and death and I can remember a, co- a co-worker whose teenage daughter ran away oh yeah and um sick parents and miscarriages and you know hard 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 divorces you know stuff like that yeah that there's just you know I just don't know very many people who are not at some point in their life touched by one of those things yeah right yeah yeah it's true and so many people kind of are experiencing you may not even know but so many of those people so many people experience those things and still have to come to work every day yeah and because we are not us uh we are not a system that does very much paid bereavement leave yeah and so that's really something to think about is there any paid bereavement leave and is it three days which is so much better than most people have. But mm. really, how much time do you need to get over the death of a spouse? Yeah. Three days is what, you know, I mean, the, the point is that our system does not build this in. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking about, today's show is not really about the people who are so racked with grief and sadness that they really need some time and space away from work. And, right? they, and, and they, they have needs that coworkers do not have the skills to supply. Yeah. Right. So sometimes there's an EAP referral, right? Go look at employee assistance, see if we can get some help with counseling, grief counseling. And sometimes people just need to be out of the workplace. Yeah. And that is so okay. Yep. Boy, that is okay. Yes. And maybe it's months. Maybe. But it is, I don't have this, I personally don't have the skills and training to help those people. Yeah. I just, I mean, I can show up and do this, but this is not enough. Yeah. What yeah, we're going to yeah. talk about today is not enough. Yeah. So it was not enough for those folks. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is interesting, like you said, how many people inside the workplace place are going through stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think they're, when they're experiencing grief or these big emotions of sadness or whatever, first of all, it's not always, it's not consistent or constant. Right. Right. Because that's because grief's not consistent or constant. I remember when Barry lost his brother, a good friend talked to me about how grief comes in waves Mm -hmm. and he's going to experience it some days and he's going to be fine some days. Mm -hmm. But it does interesting things to our brain. Right. Yes. It it looks different on different people, Mm -hmm. especially at work. When you think about what it looks like at work, you know, Um, and you're right. Like some days it's like it's not reliable doesn't show up on a timed schedule which is super unfortunate yeah that you cannot me plan off. for it like sometimes <laughs> you know you can be sitting in your office and you're like shit here it comes yeah and like there it is yes right yes. and it's like where did that come from yeah and yeah. and it triggered and it can be triggered by weir- the weirdest things and or nothing or nothing and show up yes as tears yes as you know like tears mm-hmm. or totally scattered yeah. I can't get a brain fog. Right. Or distant, detached. Yep. Yeah. Like just not plugged in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I is, you know, I've, I have felt and seen like more disorganization mm-hmm. and maybe that's the thing, same thing as scattered, but you know, ang- anxiety. Mm-hmm. So an interesting thing about grief is anxiety. 
right? Yeah. So grief can make you feel really anxious. I wonder, yeah, I actually hadn't made that connection before, but oh, I can, yeah. I can actually, oh. when you said that, I could feel it. <laughs> yes. I can think about the times that I've been grieving. I'm saying it and I can feel it. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. It, yeah. Do you ever, I've lost a couple of people in my life and I remember looking around the, it was, I think I was driving and it was after I'd lost a good friend of mine to cancer and I was driving around and I was so sad and I remember thinking, how are, how, how is the rest of the world just continuing around Isn't me? this the weirdest thing? The fabric of the universe has changed. Yeah. Gravity is not where it was yesterday. Yeah. And why is everybody acting like it is? Right. Yeah. It was, it's really... It's, Big disconnect between yeah. the person who's having those feelings and the rest of the world who's not. Yes. Yeah. I, and I have found sometimes that there is this intensity with grief. Like I, I have seen it in others and I've experienced it in myself. It's like, I will bring a level of intensity to a project or a conversation that is fueled by my grief indirectly. Oh, so there's like this intensity that just shoots out the side sometimes, <laughs> right? Just shoots right out the side. So all of these, um, kind of <laughs> all of these behaviors, this, whether you're distracted or distance, whether your stuff is shooting out the side, whatever it is, it does look so different in people. Right. Yeah. So just be ready for all the weirdness that is grief. Yeah, it is weird. And if you are experiencing it yourself, it's all typical. It's all typical. It's, it's, I love to say this, it is different for everybody and in its differences so common. And that is what I remember reading something like the one thing you can count on if you're if you're experiencing grief or I think it was one of these articles if you see a coworker who is sad is that they're going to experience something mm-hmm. but it's totally unpredictable. The predictability of it is that it's Which is why it's so hard to deal with kind of too. Yeah. One of the reasons it's so hard to deal with, not the only reason obviously, but one of the big reasons it's so hard. So yeah. I think when we know that somebody has had a significant loss. Mm -hmm. The scariest thing to me is the Mm check-in, which is what we're talking about today. Yeah. Like, what do you do when a coworker is going through this big thing? And you, it's interesting you say that the scariest part about it is the the scariest part. Because by the check-in you mean, Hey, really? I'm just checking in with you, Karina. Yeah. You know, and I have, I, everybody says you're supposed to say, okay, how are you? Yeah. How are you? Right. How's it going? And I know that's the thing to say. And I don't think that's not the thing to say, but I have such a hard time with that because, okay, everybody brace themselves for some profanity. Oh. And KMRE, please bleep it out. (laughs) But. How the fuck do you think I'm doing? Yeah, I, I'm doing shitty. Right, right. So I really try and <laughs> just, I really try to say something like, hey, I'm just checking in to see how things are going. Yeah. But I d- just having said that, I think it's just fine to say, hey, I want to check in and see how are you. 
How are yeah. you doing? Yeah. And it's funny. It's because so scary because you so don't know what you're going to get. And you don't know if it's going to be Kirsten on the other end. And you says, don't. How the fuck do you think I'm and doing? And you don't know if you're going <laughs> to make it worse. I think this is it. Sometimes we go, well, I'm just not. I don't want to make it worse. Yeah. I'm not going to make it worse. I don't want to call attention to this. I don't want to trigger tears. So I'm just not going to say anything. And and according to research, that is the worst thing right. you can do. So don't be afraid of screwing it up. Even if you do like me, I think I always say, how are you? I try to say, how are you in this moment? Or how are you right now? Mm -hmm. Or how are you feeling about this task? So we at least can zero in on that. But that is far better than icing, than ignoring Mm -hmm. them or ignoring the fact that it happens. And yeah, you might get Kirsten's, how the fuck do you think I'm doing? Well, I want to just say there's this wonderful story. So um, in my community, my kind of kids school community, there was an unusual um, series of losses of parents. So like probably four kids in a very short period of time lost their four families, lost parents and um, in this one school. And I was at the funeral for my kid's dad, Eric, and um, he used to get really mad when I called him the kid's dad. But I was like, that's the best thing about you. (laughs) You're these kids, dad. You're amazing. Anyway, um, I was with a young woman, older girl, young woman, and she came over and she was standing next to me and she looked at me and she said, if anybody asks me how I'm doing with those eyes, like, (laughs) oh, how are you doing? When you ask the question, like you assume the person is in a shriveled ball on the floor, (laughs) she wanted to say... On the front of her shirt, I'm fine, thank you. And on the back of her shirt, she wanted to just say, and don't fucking look at me like that. Oh, yes. I mean, she must have been like 13 at the time. And I thought I was going to wet my pants because I know exactly what she's talking about. And so does everybody else. Yes. How are you doing? Yeah. Which is... Uh, yeah. And I love that. that I just because she's so irreverent because she was a teenager. Yeah, right? exactly. It's hilarious. And and that look also just is about I us. think that's about us and not the mm-hmm. person. That's about us. Right. That's yeah. us projecting what we think they're going through. And we want and maybe they don't have those big feelings at the mm-hmm. time. And they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm fine. I don't know what's going on for you, but <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> you look like you're suffering. Yeah. Um it's interesting. Isn't that funny? It's all about getting out of ourselves, isn't it? It, it is. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we don't approach someone, we don't do the check-in or how we do the check-in or the things that we tell them are all about us and not about them. And remembering that this is not happening necessarily to us. It's happening to the other people. I think it's And this a really is just good, an opening. It's just an this opening. This check-in is just an opening. And when you do check-in, you're going to get really good data. You're going to get information if you listen if you're tuned in if it's not about you and it's about the other person you're gonna figure out whether or not they really what they need from you and what they want from you and you called this kind of holding space right just like i'm gonna check in and i'm gonna then hold space to see what's going on yeah and we as humans are are have we have been over the generations and over our socialization, we are totally primed 
to look at people and make conclusions or to reach answers about what they might want or need. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you can tell a lot if you just hold space. Yes. Hold space. Listen. Yeah. Pay attention and listen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't fill in the blanks for just listen. Because sometimes people don't know how they feel. And when you've asked them, they just need a minute to pull themselves together. Yeah. And so the greatest gift you can give is to just bear witness in the moment, right? Just to wait. Just to wait. Just to wait. And when you listen, when you do hold space, when you do check in, when you, you know, acknowledge that they're going through something and you, and you give them a the you know yeah the time and space to, mm-hmm. to send you some signals you're going to figure out do they want you and i loved this when you when you wrote this you're going to figure out if you want them to help the, wait sometimes i get all tied up in my words and i have no <laughs> idea i'm like did i use the right pronouns in there you're going to figure out if you they want you to help them be mm-hmm. or do mm-hmm. the so being, being or, or the doing. doing i really yeah. liked that I'm a doer. I'm like, oh my gosh, please let me do. Let just me give adjust. me something to do so I can relieve my whatever I feel. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's please. solve your problems, mm-hmm. make you feel better mm-hmm. and, you mm-hmm. know, cook some good food. Yeah. Not everybody wants that. Mm, some no. people just want someone else to be with them. Yeah. And what does that look like? So I find, as you said, that to be the hardest mm-hmm. when they just want you to listen. Yeah. Right. And then the question is like, we just might hear a story or an experience or what they're afraid of. Um, and then in those moments, see, so I think this is where it's like, there's this fragile bird that's just come out of the bush to share something with us. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Because when you have these experiences you are so vulnerable. Yeah. You know, there's, as I say, there's fear, there's anxiety, there's everything is akimbo. Gravity is in a different place. Yeah. And so when this little bird comes out and lands in front of you and is going to sing its little song for you, how are you going to hold that space so that that little bird can sing that song? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm, I like that. So that's my metaphor. That's my metaphor. And it wasn't for about grief. cooking. I know. Unusual for me. No, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I want to just like just talk about like some of the things that like are the ways that you can really crush that being with yeah, people. Yeah, you got the, mm-hmm. you, like you said, mm-hmm. you got the bird. They mm-hmm. want you to just hang. We're not yeah. solving. We might be doing later, but being, how do you crush it? So I'm just gonna talk about the things I think crush it. Okay. And some of them I've done and okay. crushed it. So yeah. this is from experience. Um, things are going to get better. Uh-huh. Okay. We don't know things are going to get better. No. It doesn't feel like things are going to get better. And that somehow means what's happening now is not okay because things are going to get better. It's just a fraught sentence. So don't say it. I suggest, you know what? It's not going to feel like this forever. Mm-hmm. I just know it's not going to feel like this forever. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's going to feel like, but I I know enough to know that our feelings change. Yeah. Yeah. If I don't know that it will get better. I do really believe it will, frankly. Sure. But in the moment, I don't say that. Yeah. Yeah. I just say, it's just, I just say, I just know this is not to be the way you're going to feel forever. Yeah. I just know this is going to change. Yeah. Yeah. One of the ways I validate feelings, I think that's what you're doing. You're mm-hmm. validating their feelings, but also providing a little ray. And this is a sentence I've learned from you is, wow, that's got to be really hard. 
I can mm-hmm. see I can see why that's struggling. Actually, I actually had somebody recently who was going through something big and I just said, I understand you're really sad. You're really sad right now. And and that was an eye, but all the tears just like oh shooting out of her eyes. Yeah. And she just his or her eyes. Yeah. She was sort of all over the map and had, you know, sort of talking. So you made an observation. Yeah. That maybe she wasn't even aware of. Maybe. Fascinating. And she, you know, yeah, but she was displaying a lot of the a lot of the behaviors that we talked about in the beginning. And I just said, I I just see you're really sad. I know you're really sad right now. Mm-hmm. So again, that's holding space. We're not fixing it. I'm not telling you how it's gonna get better sometime. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying, well, think about your, you know, how great your life is otherwise, or you know, whatever. It's just holding space there was a great article by sabina how do you pronounce that i think it's now is and uh in um harvard business review because we love the harvard business review for all things even hbr yep and 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 she says don't compare Mm -hmm. oh well when i lost my brother that Mm -hmm. was difficult Mm -hmm. i've done i i really Mm -hmm. have and i gotta remind myself not to do that don't rush this is not going to be something that we're going to make your coworker get over immediately just go back to the comparing I think comparing losses is what they're talking about. I recently said to somebody who lost his mother, I found that when my father died, the fabric of the universe changed for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just really thinking about you and you're in my heart. And so I did share my own experience with grief, not as a comparison, but just as an acknowledgement of the bigness of something. Okay. So I do think there's ways you can share your own experiences without diminishing others. Yeah. I think it's tricky, but I think you can. Um, but yeah, don't compare. Like, like if somebody has a miscarriage, don't talk about, well, when I, you know, well, that's nothing. I lost my child. Yeah. Right. Now that just is. Right. All bad for so many reasons, and everything is bad about that, including the loss of your child, right? Yeah. I mean, that's probably the worst of it. So that comparison is really hard. That's a tricky one. And in that comparison, too, I just want to say that, um, like, there's no, like, getting over things all the way. Yeah. Do you know, like, like tracking, like, um are you over this yet? Yeah. Like it is shocking to me how often I hear people being asked, are you over the loss of blank? Oh, okay. Right. I love that look on your face, which is like, who the hell would do that? Yeah. You just don't get over like losses or sometimes cancer. Like people who have recovered from cancer still carry that grief with them. Mm-hmm. It just transforms. It gets different. Yeah. But I think about this all the time. Like I lost a dear friend in high school, Keith Wilson, who I think about all the time. Yeah. Like, How many years that was later? 40 years ago. Yeah. And I'm still like, Oh, Keith Wilson, right? I mean, I can still. So I just feel like when you lose people or have certain experiences, you continue to carry them with you your whole life. It's how you carry them. Right. And so if we're supporting a coworker or a friend who's going through something big, let's not assume it's there's a one and done. Let's not assume it's over. It's there's a time mm-hmm. there's there's no timeline. This is not going to time out. Mm-hmm. And in fact, um they may come, they may be happy. 
like I said, this is this is not linear. They may be happy. They may be having a great time. They might come out to cocktail hour. We don't say, oh my god, I'm Looks so like you're over. I'm the so loss glad your you're doing so much you're better. At cocktail hour with yeah. us. Yeah, we're just yeah. gonna always take our cues from the person who's grieving. And realize like, good to see you yeah. and nothing else. Yeah, it's great to see you. Great to see you. Yep. So glad you're here. And we need to make sure too that because you don't know how much effort that person had to put into showing up. Yeah. They might have skipped in the door or they might have spent an hour bracing themselves to have some kind of social interaction because they knew it was good for them. Right. And I think so really this kind of being space that we're talking about now is really, I think when you boil it down, is, you know, take all of your cues from the person who's grieving Mm -hmm. or who's sad or who's having the big Mm -hmm. emotions. Take yourself out of it, if Mm -hmm. that's possible. And be kind. Yeah. Just be kind. And what I really like, too, about what Nawit said in her article is that, you know, it's not a one and done. And it's really important to follow up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if you care and you're engaged, you can't kind of check the box and be done. Yeah. yeah. You got to check in. So what about doing? Well, before we get to doing, I want to talk about this 2012 study. Oh, yeah. From the University of Georgia, which came out of actually customer service experience. But, you know, Karina and I, when we do these podcasts, we bring our own life experience and we are experts on a few things. <laughs> I'm expert on my life. Yeah, and I'm an expert <laughs> on my life. Um, and then we, you know, look at the studies and find information that gives us or supports or contradicts or whatever um, what we're talking about on a particular subject. And so this University of Georgia study is it's a customer service study mm-hmm. about angry people or people who are upset or disappointed or sad. And like the impact of validating somebody's feelings is like tsunami effective. Yes. It's like tsunami effective. So I have in my notes for this show, no, no, really underlined capital letters, really validate their feelings. Yes. So in the study, they listened to like 360, 400, roughly interactions. 400 interactions. And when somebody was coming at a customer service representative and um, with big emotions, and that person said, calm down, you need to calm down. Of course, it makes you matter. It it set people into the red. Because it does me. But when they- Don't when, tell me to calm down, man. <laughs> but when the uh, person, the, when the rep on the phone said, wow, I can understand you're really frustrated. Wow, I can understand you're really upset by this. It completely diffused any sort of uh, upset. Mm-hmm. It diffused the big emotions and it opened a pathway to solving. Yeah, I can't. I see this really frustrating for you. I understand that. Let's figure out how to solve that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was spectacular. And I think what they do in a lot of ways, what validating people's feelings does is it, it's it's a form of empathy, mm-hmm. right? It's a form of empathy. And I found a definition from a nursing scholar, Teresa Wisemanis. Wisemanis. I, I am the worst with name pronunciation. It It'll like, be in the show notes. Okay. Anyway, she says, empathy is the capacity to recognize others' perspectives as their true experience, which is interesting. At fa- taking it at face value. What you're experiencing, I'm taking at face value. I'm going to believe it. But she also says, and to recognize others' emotions and articulate them. And 
to avoid judgment. Mm -hmm. I mean, empathy truly is, right? What you're going through is yours and I'm going to believe it. And here's what I think you're going through. I'm going to validate it. Wow, you must be really sad right now. And I'm not judging you for it. Mm -hmm. That's empathy. That's being. That's valid. That is the being part. Yeah. That is the being part. Yeah. Um, I wanted to just mention, too, that in the workplace, there are workers who are, somebody used this term, um, Jen Roberts from one of our social service organizations in town, Bridget Collins, used the words with me, swimming in other people's trauma. Yeah. Okay. And I found that such an to be such an interesting term so some of us swim in other people's trauma all day long mm-hmm. right and i have because of the work you do because of the work we do maybe yeah. not me particularly but we as the collect yes and one of the things that she said has been really invalidating to her staff by people is i don't know how you do that mm. i don't know how you do that and i because it others them Oh, interesting. So you must be weird. Yeah. Because I don't know how you do that, because the rest of us who are normal can't do that. Oh, interesting. So I think it's meant to be a compliment. Yeah. But it, it I don't think it gets taken that way. Right? Yeah. I don't know how. I, I also talked to a hospice nurse, and I said, I've always thought that that work would be difficult. Tell me about that. Yeah. And she said, oh, um, I get to live in the very essence of living with the end of life and all of the people who were there and the interactions. And she said to me, sometimes I feel like a vampire because it's so beautiful. So I just say that because there's just so many experiences out there, right? And that must be difficult, or I I suspect that might be difficult, or I wonder whether that's difficult, or that seems difficult versus mm-hmm. I I can't even. So that again, just take yourself out of it, and that being. Yeah, part. I was going to say that's the trick I'm being. Take yourself out. Take yourself out. I think that's interesting. That it's almost like the look, right? That's assuming yes. that somebody is go, doing and horribly. And by the way, I have done all of these things. Oh yeah, me too. I've screwed it up oh, so many. God. What did I say? Seven ways to seven ways. Seven to ways to Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now we can get to the to the part that you and I feel more I'm comfortable. I'm really good at doing let's get to the solving problems and yeah solving problems and helping people when they need it so if somebody doesn't just need you to be with them hold space validate their feelings or they also if if in addition to that or in place of that they need you to do there are a lot of ways to do this this is one of the places i'm good at solving problems but i'm not always i don't always take initiative with doing and this is what happened to me when i was experiencing um when i was in covid that I, that I learned from other people, people just dropped stuff off on my doorstep and, and texted me. I didn't, they didn't call me and say, Mm -hmm. let me know when you need something. Or they literally just brought me food. You are one of them. I, I left something on your doorstep. Don't put the person who's grieving or having the big emotion in the place of having to fix their own, like to make decisions. They can't do it sometimes. At work, this is like, hey, I have an hour. I'd love to sit down with you and go through that uh, inbox so that so that you can feel like progress. How would that feel? Can Ra- I help you do this? Yeah, rather than, hey, let me know when you need something. Which can also be a nice way to end. You know what I mean? Like, if there's a specific, I tend to say, 
I tend to find something to do that I think that they need, mm-hmm. right? And then I, I do always say, let me know if you need something. Sure. Let me know if you need something. And I'm specific. Do you need someone to to, to, to have a, to take a ride somewhere? I remember when my friend Laura was sick and her son was playing football and he was in ninth grade. And nobody, she couldn't go to his games because she was sick and her husband was working. And I used to go to his football games just in case he got hurt. Hmm. So I was like, I had to find something to do to help her. Yeah. And I was like, oh, nobody is at his football games. I'm going to go watch the football games just in case something happens. So she, because, you know, football moms, I don't know if anybody thinks like me, but I'm always like, you got to be there because something could happen. Yeah, right? exactly. Insurance card in hand. <laughs> And I was not asked to do that. You just did it. I just did it. And I did it because I I, I hope it made her feel better. Yeah. Um, but it certainly made me feel like I was doing something that I know she would have done could she do it. Yeah. So that's one of those things where um, sometimes you can see something and just do it. Yeah. And And I think that's what I'm learning. That it's not just tell me when, it's not just tell me if you need something. Mm-hmm. It's here's what I'm doing. But there's also a burden to that too. And that's, I think, the other side of it is we're not showing up with food, knocking on the door, coming in and expecting, you know, 15 minutes of chit chat. We're making. And try not to send a glass bowl that has to be returned. <laughs> right. Like don't. We're don't making, want to return dishes. Yeah, we're making an offer that's about you, not mm-hmm. about me. And I'm leaving it with, and I'm not expecting any. Thing from you in return. And I think at work that looks like all of the things we just talked about and help and let me take that phone call mm-hmm. or let me do that hard project or let me have that, you know, extra shift or whatever so you can Does have Does that time. work for you? Right. Yes. Does that work for you? Yeah. Right. Just to. So that is the doing. And for I think most of us, the doing is the much easier part. Yeah. I want to come back, though. Um, there are like there are three things I just want to talk about briefly about like strategies. Right. Okay. So hugs. Yeah. OK. We know that if you hold a hug longer than what is it? Seven. Some crazy. I think it's like 10 seconds. 10 seconds. Is that it? Like, yeah. There's all of this new information out there about like hugging. Like we need like you have to have four hugs a day to just like maintain and seven hugs to thrive. And you no, know, it's like 12 is it hugs. 12 hugs? To, yeah. God, you read the article. To thrive, it, which is because of all of the psychological benefits of, to, of touch, of hugging. And there are a lot of people in my life who are single who I make a point of hugging mm-hmm. frequently and holding it for a long time. People who are grieving need that. They need the... The not the T Rex hug, right? You, you're not putting your tiny arms up. Ti- not the tiny arms right. hug. This is the full. This is the full on body. Hug. We're gonna breathe together. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be, get weird because ten seconds is a, a long, long time, time for a hug, and 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 then they'll melt into it, and it, and it is so beneficial. That's an offer. That's an offer you can make. And you know, sometimes when I'm super upset. I'm not, my body isn't ready for a hug. Yeah. Right? So some people are different. So can I hug you? Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. Would you right. like a hug right now? <clears throat> yeah. Yep. Yep. Sometimes yep. I, you're, I, I, I'm with you. Sometimes I'm just like, get the hell away from me. Don't touch me. Yeah. Don't touch me because I'm crawling out of my skin. Yeah. But that's also one of the great strategies that we read is like, is ask. Mm-hmm. And, and do you want to be helped? That's the doing, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Do you want to be heard? 
you know, sit space. That's and, the and being. being and listen. Or mm-hmm. do you want to hug? Mm-hmm. You can only pick one. So which one is it? No, I'm just joking. Yeah, but helped, hurt, or hugged. I love that. I like that too. I actually need to start asking my kids that just in general. Uh, Spencer, my eldest, is getting really good at saying, Mom, I'm not asking you, you to fix this. You don't solve my problem, Mom. Just I'm listen. not yeah. asking you to fix this right now. Yeah. And that's just it. You want to be helped, hurt, or hugged. I love that. So here's where I want to end this episode, which is back to what you initially said, which is about the don't ignore, right? Yes. We know all... I have all kinds of data from our prior podcast on what it means to freeze people out yep. and to ignore them, right? So we have that data. We also have a new study published in Psycho- Psychological Science 2022 that people who were expressing to folks who were experiencing grief, their um, sadness or that they were thinking about them were super worried about whether they did it right yes of course we are because we don't make it worse that's how you started the show you're yes right we don't want to make it worse but the data from that study says that the recipients were like far more impacted just by the social connection whether it was good or not yes positively impacted. yes positively yes. impacted so the study really I mean, this is my words my summary even a little bit of effectiveness is really meaningful to people. It's far better than nothing. It's, it's, it's like, it's like good enough. Like this is one of those places where I've just concluded you can be good enough. Even when you say things like my mediocre vocabulary does not even have the words to describe, to, to describe this or to, to, to communicate with you about this. I'm just so sorry. Right. Yes. I mean, even when we're doing it so, you know, what do I, what's the word I'm looking for? Even if you don't nail it, it's yes. better than nothing. Well, it's not just better than nothing. It's positive. Yes. It has a positive impact. Yes. But the one thing, the one thing that is, th- that, it, that we're just asking you to stop doing is pretend it's not happening. Yeah. Do not treat that person like it's not happening. Yeah. Because that, like you said, that. That is the equivalent of icing them out. Mm-hmm. That's the equivalent of not being seen. Mm-hmm. That is equivalent in our, that registers in our brains as, as physical, in the same place as physical pain. That hurts. And this is life. I mean, these things happen to everybody. I don't know anybody that doesn't have these things happening to them. And most of those people, if not all of them work. So they are in our workplace. They are with us. They are our colleagues. And yeah. I mean, part of ease, meaning, and joy is relieving suffering. Yep. Right? And so the little bits that we can do as coworkers to relieve suffering, man, I am so for it. I am for it, too. And yeah. and I've learned a lot having read the articles and talked about this with you and do the show. And I appreciate it because I, I need it. I want to relieve mm-hmm. suffering. I want mm-hmm. to be effective. I want to be to be kind. We want to be able to show up for our coworkers when things are hard. Exactly. Yeah. And so we want to be those kind of people. It's a good reminder. Let's yeah. let's help each other out. Yep. Take care. Thanks Take care f- of each other. Yeah. Thanks for joining Bye, the listeners. conversation. Bye. Krina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Krina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.